Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Startup Sales. Today we have Mike Goldenberg with us, and if you remember, Mike Goldenberg was actually our first guest that we had here on the show, and so I'm really excited to have him back, and we're going to be talking about a topic today that everybody needs, is how to get sales in today's market. With everything going on with the coronavirus, um, how, do you, how do you work around um, the the tough times and how do you still get sales because there are still people buying there are still there still is business happening and so how do you get that business and so we're going to dive into that and if you have some specific uh, cases or you need uh, help we've opened up office hours at startup sales so you could head over to our website called startupsales.io that's startupsales.io and select office hours there and you can schedule a time where, uh, where we can meet and I could help you with any problems that you're having or get you in the right direction to help you out with your sales. Let's get to today's episode with Mike Goldenberg. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, Adam. Good to join you again. How you been? Terrific. Uh, let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit for everybody listening. Mike uh, was actually our first podcast guest about uh, almost a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's been a year and a half already, and so much has changed in that time period, I think, for both of us. So definitely excited to catch back up. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you tell the audience a little bit of background around who you are and, and what your experience is? Yeah, so, you know, I guess I consider myself uh, somewhat of a salty old sales dog at this point. Um, You know, I've been selling, I feel like, for most of my life, but over the last, you know, 10 plus years, specifically in the SaaS startup space, uh, spent a lot of time at a company called LogMeIn, you know, kind of working my way up from the bottom uh, until I, you know, worked up into a director level role. Um, but then wanted to get back to, you know, some earlier stage stuff and then worked uh, for the last four years uh, at a company called Mineral Tree, which is in the AP automation and business payments uh, processing. And then over the last uh, year or so, year and a half, I've been at a sales and marketing company called Alice uh, that focuses on, you know, bringing personal back to business through gifting. Interesting. And who's your target market there? Yeah, so RICP is really focused on larger enterprises, uh, mostly also in the software uh, technology space. Anyone who has large, valuable customers where relationships matter, you know, that's really where we focus. And with, in particular, uh, marketers uh, as well as sales, it kind of crosses the lines. Interesting. All right, so I want to take a different approach today and uh, kind of focus on a, on a different topic. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time you came on, we, we were speaking about, you know, what to look for in a sales hire and, and mm-hmm. some things around there. But today, given uh, the coronavirus and the lockdown that uh, everybody is in, becoming in if they're not already, it's, it's affecting a lot of businesses and how we sell 
what have you seen while selling to these enterprises and to the sales teams and marketing teams? Yeah, so what we've seen, you know, very quickly in terms of the changes in the market is really you're seeing in different industries and different company sizes, you know, you can get a better sense of like kind of a little bit of the haves and have nots right now. A lot of the larger enterprises who are more well fortified, who have more resources are kind of doubling down or especially in our case, because we have a lot of people who are, uh, we're going to do events and have a lot of leads they were expecting to get out of their events and now they don't have those events. And so they're looking for other ways to add personalization into their outreach. Um, so we're seeing a lot in terms of that. So those budgets freed up from events can be good for some people because you still have goals, you still have things you got to get to. Um, certainly for the smaller companies who may not have as many resources, you're seeing them kind of like just reevaluate their entire spend right now. They're kind of just pulling in the rain saying like, okay, what do we need? What do we not need? How do we set ourselves up? you know, to make sure that we're successful. Because I think the impact that it's having more than anything is the um, lack of like knowing when this thing is going to end is just creating a lot of insecurity. So everyone's trying to fortify themselves as best as possible. So how are you, uh, how are you as your company, how are you dealing with this? Yeah, so first and foremost, and, and it's been good to see this on LinkedIn from other sales leaders, right, is people really understanding that this is a unique and different situation that touches people on a more human level than I think a lot of other things or other kind of slowdowns in the economy. And so I think first and foremost, you're trying to lead with empathy. Um, but really, it's it's almost like understanding that the landscape has changed. And so any conversation you had going on, you know, three weeks ago, a month ago, it's almost a moot point in many cases because their whole world has likely changed in some shape or form. Uh, so I think it's a lot of it is trying to requalify and just understand how each person is uh, in industry is handling it. Because as an obvious example, like the toasts of the world in the restaurant industry, companies like that, like it's having obviously a outsized impact on those. Versus, of course, like a Zoom conference who's, you know, doing gangbusters right now because they're well positioned for uh, digital. And that's the other thing is like you're seeing people who are um, well positioned for remote workforces are probably doing better. Interesting. So uh, try like a good tip would be try to, to try to see how how your company and your product works for digitizing the solution and kind of focus uh, focus along that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually, you know, a big part of us, right? Like, so what we've done historically is it's a gifting solution. It's very, a physical solution. Um, that's a part of it, but it's actually a digital um, uh, experience as well. And so we've quickly shifted towards that whole digital use case away from the physical uh, because, you know, ultimately you can't send things to people's offices right now. So we have to focus on that, you know, experience. Um, but yeah, in general, everyone has to kind of look at, I think, you know, now more than ever, one of the things you always hear people say about salespeople that they hate the most is like, they don't understand my business. How are they going to help me out if they don't understand my business? Now more than ever, you better understand their business. Because if you start going in there and you're trying to sell someone something and, you know, their entire world is crumbling around them, uh, they're not going to appreciate it too much. And 
vice versa, if you find people who, if you're good at understanding the industries that are going to do better in this tough time, those are the people who are still going to be open for business and looking to um, make improvements. I I was part of a uh, chain on Facebook, I think, uh, one of the group where one of the founders was asking, well, what do I do? Like some, some customers are coming and saying that they, they can't continue with us and they want, and they cancel and they want their money back. And well, obviously depending on your, your, the amount and stage, but like if it's a month to month contract, give them that last month back. This is what I said. It's given that last month back because you'll have a, a client for life like give them that amount back and see how you could still help them. And because if you could keep helping them, you're going to have a client that will, after this is all passes over, is going to remember how you took care of them and how you were there for them and not just uh, for the money. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. I mean, that, you know, again, now the more than ever, I think people are um, understanding and appreciating that impact that it has of like treating people like a, a human being, the old golden rule, right? You know, if you go out of your way to be better to them now versus trying to squeeze that last dollar out of them, um, you know, you are certainly much more likely to bring them back. Absolutely. So let's say you're not in the digitizing space, uh, digitizing uh, and, and future-proofing uh, people's infrastructure. Uh, what, what could you be doing? What, what do you suggest that people do to kind of get through these more difficult times? Because this is something that will come up again, hopefully not for a long time and, and not in this form, but there's always ups and downs in the market. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I mean, this is the, the sad truth of the situation is a bad situation is going to force people to get better, which you, you hate to hear that, but that is the reality, which is that when things are going good, right, people are spending money a, a little bit willy-nilly, they're, um, you know, not as tight on their process and structure and accountabilities, and they're not as tight on, you know, just their business because things are going good and people don't see that downside. But when you start to get to things tightening down, it makes you look at things in a whole different light and what do you really need, what do you not need? Um, so I think for a lot of businesses, this is forcing them, it's a forcing function to get better in terms of what they're doing, whether that's just zeroing in on their, you know, ICP better and just focusing on the people they know they can actually get in service, uh, or whether that's, you know, maybe, um, you know, making sure their staff is more suited to the size and, and keeping, you know, better performing people, um, you know, at a higher rate versus just trying to add another rep um, to solve that growth problem. Yeah, I love that. I think the, it's something that I've seen more and more as the last couple of years have gone by is that <clears throat> founders weren't, companies, not even just the founders, also sales leaders, they weren't focused as much on process. And they were just, you know, get well, the getting's good uh, and enjoying the ride. And I think it's so important to to build that foundation and have that process because, okay, you might be doing successful now, but eventually if you don't have the right foundation, the, the tower will crumble. And so you have to go back and build that foundation and put those processes in place. Yeah, and I think especially for early stage startups, right? You know, you want to talk about the game has changed. You know, we were in an age of very easy financing, I would say, right? I mean, the 
it's amazing the amount of venture capital and private equity funds that you know have entered into the market over the last five years, ten years, um, and I do believe you're going to see that you know constrict over the next you know who knows how long, but all the more reason that investors will want to see proof um, and visibility and, and be really clear on your process and structure to make sure that they know what they're going to get out of it when they put more money into it. Not just that you have some sort of product market fit. Yeah. So would you say that having that like kind of pipeline visibility uh, is the most important thing to set up? You know, it is something that has, it's always been important, but now more than ever, and especially the way things have changed, you know, even for us, it's like you take the whole pipeline and you say like, we need to requalify the entire thing right now because you just don't know what kind of impacts this will have both in terms of the customers and how they're being impacted and their businesses are being impacted, but also how your product uh, interacts with them is super important to understand. And does it change based on the environment? As an example, like I said, you know, historically we've done a lot where we're sending things to people's offices that doesn't exist right now. So different businesses are impacted by that obviously differently. Yeah. What would you say is the, the next important thing to be process or structure to be making sure to build into place? So I think the biggest things are to understand. So you want to have obviously the forecasting piece in place and really understand your pipeline, things like that. Uh, but equally so, you want to make sure you understand like how you are driving business. Like what are the actual things that will be predictive of where you're going to land in terms of that performance. And everyone has their different outreach strategies, whether it's outbound, inbound, whatever those metrics are. Um, but being that much tighter in that process, making sure nothing's falling through the cracks um, is super important right now because uh, for a lot of people, I think those different uh, means of demand generation are going to change. The simple example, right, is you know, a lot of people over the last three to five years have shifted to more events again because there's so much digital, everyone was overwhelmed. Okay, let's go to shows and events so we can actually interact in person again. Now that's fundamentally changed. People need to figure out where are you actually going to get that um, demand, where are those leads coming from in this changing environment. So being especially focused on that process is super important, but it's not just the process. It's like, what are you putting into the process? What are you going to do? to make adjustments to the current state. Absolutely. I just listened to uh, uh, the, the speech that uh, the CEO of Marriott gave uh, mm. to all of his employees. And one of the things that was really shocking, I mean, there's a lot of things that were shocking. It's a terrific speech. If you haven't seen it, really recommend it. Mm. But he said that they've stopped all ad budget for PPC and and those kind of uh, ads, and so like and it made me think like that's also the same for probably the same for all hotels and a lot of airlines and a lot of all these other uh, tourism industries just completely cut off their ad budget. Mm-hmm. And you ha you have to expand and go, like you said, go find other other avenues. Yeah, I think the the interesting kind of scary thing is like, how long can this last, right? How long is Marriott going to actually not be advertising? Uh, that's the thing that makes this so hard is there's just no clear end in sight. But obviously for Marriott's purposes, like that can't continue. 
And again, I think that goes back to your point is how you treat people in tough times is going to come back, you know, both in good and bad, you know, as things do clear up, which, you know, eventually they will. I think this is why a lot of uh, companies like Adobe and other companies are offering their services for free for two months or three months. Yep. And I think it's really smart because, first of all, you get a lot of people to come in and start using your product. Uh, and then you have their names and their emails as a database. But then like you're also providing stuff, like you're providing value. You're not just uh, putting an ad out there and hoping that they'll buy yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic that's going on right now because everyone's trying to figure out how do you balance this message of, you know, still trying to sell people and, and help them and, and how do you be creative without being opportunistic and seeming like you're trying to take advantage of the situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, and you've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of companies offering like a free month or two of things, which is basically a freemium model in some ways. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, certainly products in particular where, again, they can help people that really need help right now. I think there's a, an even bigger outsized benefit there for them. Um, and, you know, in, in rough times, you got to be more creative, right? If you know that your typical advertising or things you're trying to do to get people are not going to work, how do you still engage them? And so, you know, I certainly applaud them. And uh, they're actually one of our best customers. And, um you know, they have a real appreciation for the personal experience and customer experience. And so I think it's, you know, very in line with their brand. And again, I think the brands that do care about people and, and find ways to show that will certainly be the ones rewarded in the long run. What, uh, what new or innovative ways have you seen companies start to keep on top of mind? So it's interesting because a lot of people are trying to, and, and rightfully so, I think the best companies, what they're doing is focusing on their brand and not their product. And the brand is getting out there and just trying to be as helpful as you can in any way you can right now. And I think that's, I've seen it in so many different ways. I've seen it in, um, you know, people who have uh, small breweries or small uh, a limoncello producer making hand sanitizers now. Um, yeah. You see companies like in Adobe offering products for free. Um, you see it in a, in a lot of different ways that people are trying to figure out, like, you know, different things, hand wash challenges, you know, whatever it may be to bring light to kind of what's going on. Because I just don't think right. I think it's super hard right now to to like pitch a product. I mean, it's crazy when I get emails and things like that still, and you know, marketing messaging like nothing's going on. I'm just sitting there thinking like, how how oblivious are you? Like, who is this? I mean, this can't possibly be working for anyone. But um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on on what you're selling, and at the end of the day, business must go on. So, you know, I do believe very much business must go on. I actually think the sales team has a, a huge part of that, to be honest with you, because if, if we're calling people or we're interacting with people and we're all doom and gloom, then they're not going to be too enthusiastic either. You know, it's almost <laughs> on the sales people, not in a, um, you know, some sort of way like we don't appreciate what's going on, but to your point, to try and keep things going on because... You know, for people to sit and wallow isn't going to do anything, certainly. You know, there's the, the obviously the health impacts of what's going on. 
but also, right, there's the huge economic impacts that are going on. And so it's almost, you know, our duty in some way to make sure that we're driving things on and not just, you know, everyone, um, you know, bawling up and, and crying. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to go down, you might as well go down uh, fighting. Exactly. <laughs> if the economy is dropping, then I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to keep trying and trying and trying. Exactly. Good. I, I I was just thinking as you were saying that some like different unique ways. It's like companies could really start offering like online workshops like through Zoom and stuff. You know, invite your clients, invite your prospect lists, and get some workshops together around like your industry and help people. Oh I mean, yeah, that's a good way to it's, be top of mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone's looking at the Zoom stock these days and sees how well they're performing, and and it's amazing how many different ways in which people are figuring out ways to use zoom uh everything from cycling classes to like you said uh things like happy hours internally to providing different kind of webinars classes how to work better from home whatever it may be uh it's been great to see the creativity that people have had you know in this circumstance all right so you said earlier a couple times um that you're going. It's time to go back and requalify what's in your pop pipeline. What does that mean? So, what that means is that every opportunity has fundamentally changed because their circumstances change. So, you know, again, it may be the way they were thinking of using your product may be different now, and it also may be that their customer base's situation has changed. I mean. There's just so many, when you think about a qualified opportunity and what goes into it, um, there's a need, there's an urgency, there's a time frame around it. Obviously, you have the right people you're talking to, um, but those needs may have changed. That time frame may have changed, uh, and certainly their urgency to do anything may have changed, just depending on their circumstance. So for each one of those, you know, we're just trying to get back in touch with them. Um, to make sure that we understand how they're looking at the, the scenario right now. Okay, and, and how do you approach that? I mean, do you just come up and say, hey, guys, I've got a few more questions for you, or do you come up and say, guys, given the circumstances, we need to, I want to start from the beginning of this and, and see, see if this is still the right fit for what you need. Yeah, you know, I think it obviously depends where in the process you are, because if you're further down the road, it's less about, I think, uh, having to re-qualify that there is value there. I think more so than anything, it's just an honest conversation to say, listen, we understand circumstances in the world have changed right now. You know, we're trying to understand how this is impacting, you know, what we're working on and budgets or whatever. You know, now the tough part of it, the really tough part about it right now, because usually, you know, it's easy enough to have those conversations. The tough part is that they don't necessarily know the answer to, to that question yet. So, you, you know, very quickly, though, we've seen people kind of bucketing themselves into either, um, uh, again, we're selling into sales and marketing. So we've got the people who are saying, hey, we're still charging ahead. We've, you know, freed up budget. We're going to, you know, try and allocate it to something else. You've got the people who are saying, hey, we just need to, we don't expect like a major change, but we need to just do a quick reevaluation of everything we're doing before we, you know, do any spending. And then you have other people whose, you know, business or industry is being impacted, you know, significantly. And they're just saying, like, we're in a, like a complete freeze right now. 
Um, and again, a lot of people in the restaurant industries in particular um, are being impacted by this. But as you see things go into even um, more significant shutdowns, I think even more of these industries will be impacted that are non-essential. I think it's a very good optimistic. It, it's very optimistic what you said. Not you're optimistic, but like it's a, it's a good sign. That means like majority, it sounds like, uh, depending on, I guess, the industry, like you said, but are, okay, th this is going to be small. This is, we're, we're moving ahead, maybe with a slight delay, but we're moving ahead. Yeah, I think everyone has to take that approach in some ways, right? I mean, you can't just throw your business <laughs> into the wind. You got to, um, again, I just think it makes everyone be a little smarter, you know, and tighter about what they're doing. I think it also makes it so that you have to be that much more focused on providing, you know, some sort of measurable return on what you're, you're doing for someone, which is, you know, I guess an old thing in sales, right, to show the ROI. Um, but, you know, I think now more than ever, that visibility to it's important because as things tighten up, you will see people start to look that much closer on what do we actually need? What can we actually show results from versus things we just kind of feel good about or like or nice to have? I think that's interesting. Uh, while you were saying that, it kind of made something pop up in my head is the, sh the shitty salespeople. <laughs> mm -hmm. just be blunt yep. the, the, the salespeople that uh, you know have just been lucky because the market was going up uh, you know things were easy to sell um, they're going to start having problems and they're not going to be able to produce how can a how can a founder know if what they have is just an unskilled salesperson or if it's really just they're not able to sell in the, uh, like as a company that, into this market yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. In the past, the rising tide has raised all ships, even, you know, some of the lesser ships probably. You know, how do people determine if people are not good at selling or if it's just a matter of a, a tough market? I think it's the same way you always do it, which is that you're evaluating the reps, both obviously on their performance. I mean, that's the obvious easy way to do it. Um, but you have to get in there more into the into the calls, into the details to understand like what are the conversations they're having. Uh, there's so many things that could impact someone now, right? If they had, for instance, either a certain territory that's you know been harder hit or an industry that's harder hit, you know you've got to factor those things in. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of big on right now is just this idea, right? That exactly what you said, the 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 shittier sales reps, if you will, who I don't think will survive as well through this are the ones who are, you know, often just more self-serving and trying to like, you know, get a quick deal through because I just think that now more than ever, you're going to have to earn people's trust and you're going to have to really, um, people are going to be that much more careful and cautious when they're buying. So the people who are trying to get a quick hit, it's just not going to work as well. Um, so the people who can build relationships better, those are the ones you want to focus on. Now, if you want to talk about kind of more specific things that you look for, um, you know, especially in this time, you want to look in it, if you have like a tool to help you with this, it obviously helps, but, um, like a gong or, or chorus or something like that, but to see the conversations in terms of, you know, what is that ratio of, of questions that people are asking? Um, how well are they listening and, and kind of that balance of the call of talking versus listening and um, 
how patient are they? You know, if someone's explaining something, are they jumping the gun and, and things like that? Obviously, you're again, you're always going to look at the numbers, op creation, close one deals, conversion rates, things like that. But now you're trying to find out like who are the people who are going to be able to uh, build relationships because I think now more than ever that's going to matter. Absolutely. And so for everybody that's listening, start recording your calls if you're not already. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's amazingly helpful. You know, it's like you're always trying to figure out what is it? What makes the difference between a good sales rep and a, a not good sales rep, right? I mean, there's the obvious things. Um, but a lot of times, you know, from my experience, from, you know, my opinion, it's, you know, who are the people that can, you know, have that back and forth? I mean, it's almost, it's like the better they can play tennis, with someone and it's just a back and forth, you know, those are easy ways to see it versus when, for instance, you see there's kind of like just monologues, one person speaking for a long time and then another person for a short period and then they're talking long and it's, you can start to see the patterns of where the better conversations, what they look like, just in terms of what the back and forth looks like, not even the words themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, each salesperson has their own, uh, tendencies and their own, like, um, I don't know how personality that they bring to the table. So there's no one size fits all, but the patterns that you, like you were mentioning is very important because it has to be that relationship has to be back and forth. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I know for a lot of sales organizations, they've tried to teach like this very scripted type of, you know, here's exactly how you walk someone through an entire call. And, you know, don't get me wrong, we obviously give a lot of guidance on how they should handle different calls and the progression and the things they should be looking for. Um, but it's funny because people will take their different approaches to it and twist it different ways. And some will ask questions a little more up front and some will earn a little more trust and ask more deeper questions at the end. And what's interesting to see is like kind of over the bigger picture, the longer spectrum, you know, you do see those trends of the people who ask more questions tend to do better. Um, not necessarily, I'm sure there are statistics in terms of like when it's better to ask questions in a call, but you don't have to follow a formula in my mind to, as long as you're getting the right information and, and that's where the beauty and the art of it is, um, how you get those things out or how you get those questions and how you get that back and forth going. It doesn't, you know, have to be this script to get there. I think this is uh, the biggest takeaway from our conversation so far today. All right. Mark it down. Is, <laughs> is, I mean, and it's so basic, but even in hard times is ask the good questions. You know, like if you ask the questions, you might not like the answer, but at least you're getting the answer. And then, you know, instead of working your way through the sales process and then them still not buying yeah, and I mean, it's I'm, I'm no genius to say that reps who talk too much and don't, you know, listen enough uh, typically don't do well. And, you know, whether you call it curiosity or active listening, uh, I, I continue to think that's, if not the most important, one of the absolute most important skills as a sales rep. Well, Mike, uh, I really appreciate you coming on with us again today. Uh, it's been a blast and it's so so cool to make a full circle and have you on at the beginning, like the first episode, and now again, uh, almost two years, a year and a half, two years later. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It was How my pleasure. Great. How could people reach out to you if they want to, you know, ask you questions or, 
yeah. find out more. Yeah, I'm very much uh, always open to helping in any way I can. Uh, anyone who wants my advice, whether that's a good idea to take it or not, is up to you. But um, I'm always <laughs> happy to help. Uh, you can reach me at mike at alice.com. Uh, that's A-L-Y-C-E. And yeah, you can reach me there, LinkedIn, whatever I can do to help. I'm here for you. Terrific, Mike. Thanks so much. All right, Adam. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.